So how do I get how do I get congregations excited about ministry? I think when deacons are excited about ministry, then I think the congregation will follow. Welcome to a One Life podcast. One Life, as you may or may not know, is a grassroots learning collective made up of equippers serving classes BC, Northwest, and Southeast in the Christian Reformed Church. By providing events and resources centered around the five foundational callings of the church worship, faith formation, servant leadership, global mission, justice, and mercy. My guest today is Gary Veneman, a founding member of Diaconal Ministries Canada, who has so much wisdom to share after so many years of coaching deacons teams. Gary has come and sat with the deacons at Cornerstone on multiple occasions too, and his equipping has been, I would say, essential um, for our development of a benevolence agreement, our nudging us into the neighborhoods that are around us, you doing a community opportunity scan, and so much more. Our conversation covered so many categories in the justice and mercy calling, and there's just so much here for you to dive into. Um, if you're a deacon, and if you know a deacon, I would suggest uh, that you please uh, share this with all the deacons in your life. Um, and just if you're a regular church member who wonders what deacons do, uh, this is a great introduction. It was wonderful to hear Gary's story and a bit about his work. And I loved it. And I hope you love hearing from Gary. Here he is. So I am here um, in the studio. This time, our studio is a mobile studio, so we move around. But this time, the studio is right here at home in my home office. And Gary's drove in from Abbotsford, yep. I believe. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so I'm here with Gary Veneman in my uh, home office studio here. Um, and we're going to talk. We're going to talk about the Diaconal Ministries Canada. We're going to talk about what it means to be a deacon. We're going to cover a lot of things. But I want to start with the personal first. I want to just get to know you a bit, Gary, for our listeners to, to who are listening in. Um, tell us a bit about yourself. What do you do for work? All right. Start there. So my, I'm, I'm Gary Veneman, and I, I've been involved with the Christian Reformed Church pretty much. Well, I'm going to say my home church, Living Hope, for well, I was baptized there. So my parents were probably founding members. Um. My full-time work is I work for a dairy supply company and I deliver supplies to dairy farms um, in the Fraser Valley. Visit about 120 farms in a month and just bring them whatever they need to keep their cows happy, to keep uh, milk clean, and to just support them in the, in the industry. I love it. So, so tell, me, tell me where along the way you got in, in, interested in deacon work and uh, how did that come about? When um, when I got married, after I got married, then I guess you're um, eligible to become a deacon in, in the church, the Christian Reform Church. And At your church, was that before? You, you had to be married first? Was that the rule? Well, or yeah. We, the unofficial rule. Unofficial rule. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't even know if we have any single 
single people in, in, involved in deacclimacy. Now, not if that if that's a rule, I'm not sure, but yeah, that's how it that's happened how it with me. Yeah, tends to go. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And um, anyways, first year involved, first term involved in being a deacon in our church, home church. Um, we didn't. I'm going to say I'm going to be honest, and we didn't. We didn't do much. Mm. We collected money on Sunday mornings and evenings. We went to a monthly meeting, whether it was needed or not. Um, we handed out support to those who needed it, and sometimes at Christmas we handed out Christmas flowers. And I'm going to say that was that was probably it for as far as deacon ministry goes in, in our church. And at the end of my three-year term, I says, there's got to be more to this, but then my term was over and I kind of forgot about it. And then, But I did... I did make a mental note to myself that if I got in and in, in, in invited again to become a deacon, nominated, I would look to see what the ministry is really about. Two years later, I was nominated again. So hmm. I became involved in what in the day was called a BC Diaconal Conference. And it was a kind of a loose-knit group of regional deacons getting together for training, for um, sharing experiences, for sharing resources. And we met kind of loosey-goosey every now and then. But with that, I got involved in other ministries, but I also got a chance to trip to, and this is what really changed my life as far as uh, being a deacon was concerned, I got a chance to go to, to the office in Burlington, the CRC office. Um, it was an eye-opener for me, seeing the different ministries, CRWC, World Vision, uh, Back to God Hour, Faith Alive, and, and others, and how they all work together under the same umbrella of this CRC. I also met a fellow uh, who I got to know really well, um, a fellow by the name of Ben Vanderzand, and he at that time was the director of All Ontario Diaconal Conference, hmm. which I didn't even know existed. Mm-hmm. And through him, I, I got a, a whack of resources that they were using for years already, and we didn't even know they existed. So I took those resources back with me to BC, and I asked him if I could publish some of that, or not publish, but uh, copy some of those, and usually, oh, absolutely, he said. And he gave me more through the years and so on. And I took it on the road in BC for about, I'm going to say, three or four years where I went to train deacons across, started in the Fraser Valley, and then it ended up going to the Okanagan and a little bit further to up northern BC and also Vancouver Island. This is so cool. Was this um, unofficial? Unofficial. Wow, right on. Unofficial. Hmm. Those little events where I went to the outlying areas of the Fraser Valley turned into, because I couldn't do it all myself, so it turned into what we call mini days of encouragement. So I would invite... Um, representatives from CRWC in the day, which is now World Renew, or World Missions or some other organizations, they would come with me and they would lead workshops and I would lead workshops specifically for deacons. What it meant to be a deacon in the Christian Reformed Church, um, their role, their role in leadership, um, some of the things they were struggling with, and we would just have a, just a, a workshop together. That went on for years. Then... Can I just carry on as of far course. as okay? Yeah, I'm no, just I'm, I'm just rambling on about how this uh, Diaconal Ministries Canada started. Yeah, it's very interesting. So Diaconal Ministries Canada, well Diaconal Ministries started 
many, many years ago um, as, like I mentioned before, diaconal conferences across the country. I think there were four of us. And um, they met regularly, trained deacons in their roles and so on, and, and um, they worked very closely in the day with CRWRC. Then in 1998 or 1999, not sure which year it started, but I was at, able to also, through BC Diaconal Conference, I was at a classes renewal gathering in Chicago. Great event, learned a lot, but one day the Canadian representatives from CRWC, World Renew, classes, um, some diaconal conference rep representatives met over lunch at a restaurant in Chicago. And the conversation began about what if. And soon the dream became of a national or a, di a diaconal umbrella organization across the country from coast to coast, where deacons would be trained, where deacons would share experiences similar to what the diaconal conferences were, but on a national, on a national level. During, the, during that time, I mean, sometimes you hear of, of uh, how some corporations start with stories or, or diagrams on um, napkins. Well, that's how diaconomy started. There was balloons, there was triangles, there was arrows across the country, back and forth, and then, you know, with names in it, who would do what, and so on and so forth. And then that bloomed into further discussions after this, this gathering. And by 2021, um, so three, four years later, Diacal Ministries was uh, organized and initially launched in the spring of, not 2021, 2001, in the spring of 2001. And uh, Ben Vanderzandy was the first national director. And then along with him came a few other staff members and resources were produced, websites were launched, and funding model was put in place. Ben was um, very influential in how Diaconese Canada ran, and he also published a few of the um, resources that are still available for deacons um, and still used in, in some, for some diaconates. And um, after him was a fellow by the name of Hans Cater, and he ran Ministries for three or four years, and then currently is Ron Vanderbrink, who runs Ministries out, uh, out of Vernon, believe it or not. Wow. Yeah, so I mean, this is this is so cool. It's awesome to hear the story of how this all came about. And um, yeah. um, I love the grassroots element of it, okay. that it was just simply like connecting with resources and then being like, how do I get this out into yeah. my community? Um, and I imagine through the course of this journey, um, yeah. you've seen a lot of changes and deacons in BC. Um, yeah. And I'd love to hear about that. I, I would just want to say before, though, before I get you to dive into that, um, I can totally resonate, even here at Cornerstone. We've come a long way just in the three years that I've been here, and thanks, that's partly thanks to your help. Mm. But I think us and a lot of CRCs can still resonate with that, what you said earlier. Deacons are kind of, we count the money, we, uh, we, we bring meals uh, to people yep. who are, are, uh, are going through a surgery yeah. or something, or a new baby. Um, but other than that, uh, we're not really sure. And there's so many resources out there. So... It's cool, but I would love to hear. I'd love to hear a little bit about how you've seen these things change then yeah. as you've been doing this for, for 30 years now. My thing is I go into, into I, I meet with deacons at their regular 
already scheduled Deacon's meeting because nobody needs another night out. So, and I take about an hour, an hour and a few minutes, and, and we discuss what's important to the deacons. I always ask the deacons before I come there, what what do you want to talk about? What's important to your to the heart of your diaconate? And uh, most time they talk about it's it's mo- a lot of it is to do things right. Mm. And and I always say, you know, when I come, I don't. I always say, I I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not the fixer. I am here to just to walk you through and help you and maybe send you in the right direction for resources or other things. But we work together. We don't. I don't do. I don't tell you what to do and this is how to do it because every diaconate, every deacon is different and and some diaconates um, work very well in the church. They look well after their members and some diaconates and some, they work very well outside the church, going mm-hmm. into their community, doing things with community and for the community. So that's what we work on. Mm. So... Um, how have things changed? Um, normally, I, when I visit a diaconate, I kind of take mental notes as, I, as I'm there and so on and so forth, find out what they're up to, what they're doing. And I really encourage deacons to, to get out into their community and to take not just the deacons, but to take their congregations with them, to get members involved in community things. But I also mention to them, too, that it's important to find out what your members are already involved in. Um, you'd be amazed if you do a poll and find out, you know, where are, what are our members busy with? And for an example, in our home church, we found out that we had, we had a, um, didn't even know what he was a chef, but he was a chef at, um, at Salvation Army and hmm. done it for years. And wow. we never knew a senior citizen just decided to volunteer there. And he was there every day as a chef. Um, not so much under the umbrella of the church, but just because he saw a need. Wow. We've done a poll recently where, where other people are involved in, um, we have different ministries, um, Life Recovery in Abbotsford that they're involved with, with at their thrift store, um, Salvation Army in, in, in different things, Women's Transmission Transition House that people are involved in. I mean, my, my daughter is a director there, and she was there for oh, probably half a year already, and all of a sudden she came down the stairs one day, and here's a member of our church, and she says, what are you doing here? And... The other lady said, what are you doing here? And mm. she says, well, I work here. Oh. And she says, well, I'm here because I teach ladies how to knit and crochet. And she's been doing it for years, but nobody knew until they wow. connected. So those kind of things. Oh, that's so cool. That's that's really interesting, yeah. And my daughter, by the way, is actually a deacon right now in our church. Wow, so it's know. kind of interesting. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, changes. How have things changed? Oh, yeah, churches. Like when... After initial visit, you know, you kind of, I kind of make a mental note of what's going on with the deacons, and then I kind of encourage them to, to <clears throat> transition to outside of the church. And what really gets me excited is when I, at next meeting, whether it's half a year or a year later, I come back and things are happening. They've gotten involved in in their local, their local um, soup kitchen or something. Or, for an example, um, in mission, they got involved with the Union Gospel Mission. And other things, and, and part of the congregation got involved as well. So those kind of things are really cool to hear. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, changes in diaconal ministries as well over the years. Um, resources constantly changing because deacons change, because needs change, because um, 
Yeah, we they develop new um, new devotions for deacons, like for their meetings. They develop um, a workshop for developing a new work plan for deacons. Deacons 101 is new. Um, develop, developing uh, benevolence policies, working with the marginalized. Um, recently, we launched a stewardship initiative that church is involved in. That comes all the way out of uh, out of Halifax. One of our diaconal staff um, workshops for chairpersons to lead how to lead productive meetings, um, helping to develop a a current or a, a well prepared collection schedule for mm. the year. Those mm. kind of things. These, I, I'm listening with my listener hat on, and how would I, as a listener, where do I go? How do I access these things? This sounds like a whole list of things we could... Uh... Where I tell everybody to go to is, is our Diaconal Ministries Canada website. So it's www.diaconalministries.com. And you look under the tab of resources, and all these things I just mentioned, whether it's a workshop whether or uh, Deacons 101 or Benevolence Policy or Stewardship, You'll find it there, and they're right <clears throat> they're under different categories of justice, mercy, um, leadership, um, and you just can browse and snoop, mm-hmm. and even the um, the devotions for deacons is there. You'll find that the biggest resource I found that most deacons use is um, on the from the website is our frequently asked questions. It's mm. it's quite a few pages of mm. stuff that over the years. Questions that deacon asks that that is now written down, you know, what is a deacon? What is their responsibilities? What is their role? How do they <clears throat> develop themselves in leadership in the church? So on and so forth. So it's a very useful resource hmm. that yeah, deacons love to, to just browse through that. Hmm. So you started mentioning a few things already. Um, you come back a few years later, the deacons are now plugged in their community in yes. ways they weren't. I'd love to hear a few stories, the highs and lows of deacons getting their feet uh, onto their feet and out into the world. Okay. Uh, one is, is, is a local church that I've been involved with and, and um, how the church, maybe not, well, a few of the deacons haven't been involved as well, but they, how they got involved with um, a local, which is just down the road, uh, local um, elementary school, and they started a uh, a lunch program for kids, and didn't even know it, but there were a lot of kids that came to school hungry that mm. that the parents just couldn't or couldn't afford or couldn't um, support the their kids, yeah. didn't have time, whatever it was for kids to go to school. So uh, once or twice a week, they they come, they go to the school, and they actually have a pancake breakfast, and they meet with the kids. And over time, that has evolved into um, the kindergarten kindergarten class of that school. They, there was no room anymore because it, the, the, the elementary school was getting too big. So the kindergarten class actually moved into the church oh, wow. for a few years. Wow. They asked if they could, and we said, absolutely. Oh, wow. So they met in the upstairs wing of our church for a couple of years, and <clears throat> they don't do that anymore, but they... Um, but that was kind of a neat, a neat thing as, as a follow-up to just being involved with the school. Recently, with the same school, some of the staff there have asked if we could become members of our church, could become um, like big brothers or big sisters mm-hmm. to students there, just to meet with them over lunch or help them with different tasks or whatever it was. So, And that's just new. That's very, like, very new within the last few weeks. So we'll see where that goes. Cool. 
other things that have changed. Oh, <laughs> many churches have, over the years, I mentioned earlier about benevolence policy. Many churches have done benevolence where they help people or families, and it turns into a dependency and a long-term yeah. dependency. Yeah. And through a benevolence policy, you set you set um, guidelines and rules, and okay, we're going to meet with you in two months. We're going to find out where you're at. This is where we, you know, and, and so just a whole process that they would go through, because before there was nothing. Um, I've heard stories of where the deacons were supporting families for ten or more years. <laughs> I know and, a few stories of as well. Yeah, uh, firsthand. And, yeah, yeah, and and some of them are are. You know, like, like, why are we, you know, because deacons are now asking, why are we doing this? Like, why, you know, and especially if they're new deacons, like they've never been in a term before, they ask the question, so why are we doing this? And then if they, if they're out and they come back, you know, two or three years later and we're still doing it, mm-hmm. like, then, then the flags go up and says, mm-hmm. okay, this has to change. And then mm-hmm. they kind of wean them off. And, and, but I always say, you know, like, it's, it's not so much, I mean, it is the financial thing, but it's also, um, there has to be more relationship building with yes. those people. They have to find out how how can we help, but how did you get to where you are that you need help? Yeah. How can we bridge that with you? Yeah. Not for you and not by through a financial handout, just like like whether you need you need financial um, guidance or mm-hmm. you know, whatever it may be, but those are kind of things that that are are yeah important to to for deacons to know like how do we do that properly the benevolence thing yeah that's really good yeah and hard and hard and boundaries are always hard tough love is hard mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah i always find it hard to get deacons away from why are you doing what you're doing? And it's the answer. Usually, answer is is because that's the way we've always yes, done. Yes, yes. And how do you get deacons out of that 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 zone? How do we how do we help them? To that you don't you know ask the questions and 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 you don't have to do what you've done ten years ago. You can things can change and and deacons change. For example, like I just mentioned, why are we helping the same family for the last ten years or more? Or why are the deacons the only ones that are involved in? Settling refugees, mm. and some of the answers because <laughs> they get involved in the refugee committee, and then they think that they have to do everything. But I always mention the deacons. No, deacons are there to assist the congregation to help them get involved in ministries. Mm. Deacons don't have to do everything, but sometimes the deacons are the refugee committee. They're the hospitality committee. Mm. They're the evangelism committee. They're the mm-hmm. sometimes they're even the finance committee. Like. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good one, and that resonates with us here at Cornerstone too. Um, what are some of the ways deacons can actually develop that instinct and hospitality impulse in the church rather than just doing it themselves? I, I think deacons, what, what, what deacons have to do, I think, for me personally, what I found is deacons have to um, inform the congregations of A, the needs, and B, that hey, people, there's ministries available here, but we can't do it. And, and if you want to get involved with uh, the refugees or the hospitality or the evangelism or the, you know, maybe maybe there is people that are retired um, accountants that can be involved in the finance committee if that needs to be, a, mm. be happen, um, needs to happen. Yeah. 
Um, and I think it's invo- involving the congregation that deacons aren't just doing, like they're not just another committee, that they, they're, the congregation should know what the deacons are up to. Maybe it's maybe it's a, a monthly report or something, or mm. it doesn't have to be the minutes, but maybe the deacons met and we discussed and we're on, you know, on a program or a new program that we want to start is your re- revive your, um, what do you have, spin ministry. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, we used to have a program yeah, yeah. called spin exactly. single parents in yeah. need. Yeah. yeah, you know, that kind of yeah. thing. Yep. Right, they want to revitalize that, that or something mm-hmm. or some other program where they're, mm-hmm. you know, this school program where they're, where we're looking for, um, for uh, big brothers, big sisters mm-hmm. to look for kids. Mm-hmm. But getting the word out to the congregation. Getting the word I, uh, out. That is a big hurdle to get over, but I think that is a really good one to to name. Just speak it out. I also think as you're describing of, um, I'm reminded of what uh, a year ago when we had a, the, the D, a conversation about the diaconate with Rachel Vrugge, who yep. works for D, DMC as well, and um, or is at least involved with yep. it. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and... Uh, and she had an interesting insight too about the leadership role of the deacons, right? That this is a, this is, it's not like the elders are the leaders and the deacons are the the, the doers, you know? It's, it, they're both uh, leadership yep. positions yep. that are ordained yep. and authoritative and uh, ought to lead. So yep. I love that. And, and just on that note, I always tell deacons too, you know, like deacons are, or deacons are not the next elders necessarily. Yeah, not junior elders. Yeah, exactly. we we have had bumped up against that philosophy as well. Exactly. So yeah, deacon is like where you get your feet wet and then yeah. they yeah. graduate to elder someday. Exactly. Yeah, nope. But but on that same note, I, I agree with you that that deacons and elders and pastors have to work together mm. to to mm. Uh, to 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 lead the church mm. and to be vibrant in their communities and to. But mm. it's not just it's not just like you mentioned. It's not just the deacons are here and then the elders are next and then the pastors and mm. you know we'll get together sometimes. I do have to say I'm going to say this personally to you that. You meet with your deacons regularly, yeah. As which a which is cool because there's a lot of pastors that don't, <laughs> and I would love to see them there. I would love to see them at meetings. I would love to see them at at even when when we have these workshops together. Um, it'd be so cool to just have the pastor involved that they that the deacons also get encouraged that way. Mm. That that yeah. Oh, thanks, Gary. Yeah, it was it was. Uh... It wasn't immediately understood by the elders, and we actually had some conversations here at Cornerstone too about, you know, should that be where the pastor goes? You know, church orders recommends the pastor meet with the elders. You know, mm. um, can we maybe? Um, but we we talked it through, and I mentioned what I mentioned earlier about elders and deacons yep. having what we call parity of office, yep. right? Yep. And and it was accepted, and it has bear, borne so much fruit, mm. and it has been such a blessing to me to sit with these. Uh, Yep. Um, thoughtful, creative problem solvers. Uh, it's a really good group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me a little bit about um, the struggle of of getting CRC communities on board. Has there been some hardships in that in that area? Believe it or not, there's been a few churches where I'm not going to say I'm not welcome, but they say, mm. "No, we don't need you. We yeah. can do our own thing." You know, they're they're they're, they're on their own. Ourselves their own. Thank you very much. Own, yeah, but. Which I and I you know I I just keep trying because um, as you know deacons rotate yes <laughs> through true. their office yep, so every three years, a year yeah. or two or whatever down the road it might be a different chairperson that's that's more passionate about diaconal ministries or more passionate about uh, involvement in the community or whatever it is so 
Um, I just keep trying, and um, yeah, once in a while I do get in, and other times it just takes a little while and a little persistence. But and I don't want to push myself on anybody. Like mm-hmm. I, you know, mm-hmm. if they're comfortable where they're at, and 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 everything seems working, and um, yeah. Then I just let them be for a while, but yeah, I do make I do make myself available if they if they want to be. Um, yeah, oh, that's great. I I this question just came to my mind now. I wonder if if you could offer anything to a deacon listening or a deacon diaconate who's listening to the podcast yeah. in any church in BC or for Canada or for that matter. Um, what would it be? What's something you want every deacon to know? Wow. Um, I think I mentioned it before, um, and that's important to me because deacons sometimes get get overwhelmed in their ministry because there's so many things to get involved in or to do or to. Mm. And I always say, deacons, and I mentioned that before, deacons don't have to do everything. Mm. Deacons should encourage their congregation to get involved with them, yeah. and and do ministry together. Um, you know, deacons can 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 maybe maybe motivate. They can maybe be part of the committees and so on and so forth. But they don't have to be the chairperson or the lead person or the person that does all the work. Mm. Um, some other things I'm going to say, especially if you're out in your community, to listen. Mm. Not just try fix everything. Like like for an example, like like walking through like in Abbotsford, we have a. Um, a lot of homelessness, mm-hmm. ten cities, and so on and so mm-hmm. forth. And you know, there's things that can be done with you know maybe <clears throat> going through with a, a fan of hot chocolate or coffee or sleeping bags, blankets, whatever. But sometimes it just takes a listening ear, and 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 not just driving by, but getting to know these people and mm-hmm. um, finding out you know where they're at. They're not. You, I'm just going to back up a little bit, a little backstory. I'm also involved in, through Diaconal Ministries, I think it kind of got me edged into this. Um, I'm involved volunteering at Extreme Weather Shelter mm. every week from uh, November to March. And you get to meet the homeless. And a story that sticks with me is one I like to say, I like you know there's a there's a table where people once they're once they're registered and once they find their their mat and so on and so forth there's food available and drinks stuff but they have to sit around a table so it's not everywhere and but I like to sit around table with them and this one evening I sat around and I, I met this fellow who's kind of sitting by himself and I says how are you doing well he went on and on and he talked to me nonstop for about forty five minutes. Wow. And also he just stopped, just stopped, just, just, and he looked at me and he says, Gary, he said, I don't believe it. I said, what's that? He says, I just told you my whole life story and I don't even know you. (laughs) (laughs) Like he talked about everything from, from his kids to his broken relationships, to his marriage, Mm -hmm. to his failed marriages, to to his drug, drug addictions, to, you know, and I'm going, you know why? Because, because that's why we're here. We, we listen. Right, I mean, I could have stopped in right away. Well, you know what? Maybe if you went to church or something, or maybe, mm-hmm. or maybe mm-hmm. if, maybe maybe Salvation Army can help you if you get involved with you know whatever it is. But I just let him talk, and best thing, best thing, best story that, yeah, I, I um, yeah, it just listening. 
I did a little bit of homeless ministry too before becoming a pastor, and it is I definitely resonate with those experiences. There's nothing mm. like it, and yeah. the vulnerability and the openness and the it is such a gift to be able to hear people, yeah. and people who don't often get heard, right? Yep. I think I think people normally think that 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 um, homelessness um, people are are they could be violent, they could be you know, and mm-hmm. they, they you know. And you know, if you get to know them, they're just like me and you. And I always say, and I even wrote that in my notes that they are—they are also. Um, um, how did I write that? They're also um, images of images of God, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. we're, we're all yeah together in this. And and sure, they made some wrong moves in their life. They their 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 journey went right instead of left, yeah. whatever it was, and. Yeah. And here they are. So I look at that. Well, you know what? They still need a listening ear, and maybe we can walk beside them and bless them in a certain yeah, way. For sure, I love that. I, 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 on the note of hearing stories too, I always think, you know, when you when you haven't heard their story, you have all these assumptions about you know where they come from, the choices they made, things like that. But when I when I tend to hear homeless people's stories, usually I come away thinking, wow. They're actually doing really well mm. for themselves, given all of the suffering and trauma that they've experienced. If I had experienced those things, I don't know if I'd be doing as good as they are, yeah. actually. Yeah, from uh, where in they spite came of everything. From yeah, their upbringing and or lack of mm-hmm. upbringing. Or, mm-hmm. yeah. Totally. So that is that's a good word and a good reminder. Yeah, I've got one more question, um, and that is how do how do you help churches stay grounded, given mm-hmm. all the needs? Of the community, uh, all the needs that we face on a regular basis. Wow. Um, <laughs> I always tell people or deacons, you know, I, I mean, I wrote in my notes here some stuff about what excites me about mm. deacons and 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 their relationship with their church and so on. And mm. I was read a few of them. I get yeah. excited when diaconists that want to see changes from the same old, same old, when they see the importance of including their congregation in the ministry outside of the church walls. I get excited when I see or hear deacons understand what it means to be giving a hand versus giving a hand out to those who are needing help. I get excited when deacons or congregations are building relationships with folks that are not members of the church but live in their communities. It excites me when I hear changes in attitudes after deacons have read the book when helping hurts. And I always read that as a big resource Yeah, when helping hurts. And, and that goes just on to the whole benevolence thing and how... You think you're doing a good thing, you're solving a solution, but you're you're creating another problem. Mm. Could be creating mm-hmm. another problem. Mm-hmm. I get excited when deacons understand that benevolence is not just about financial assistance, but meeting people where they are and finding out how they got there. It involves relationship building as well as compassion. Um, so how do I get how do I get congregations excited about ministry? I think when deacons are excited about ministry, then I think the congregation will follow. Mm. I think if, 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 if and, and again, that goes back to um, getting deacons to inform the congregation what they're up to, what they're, some of the ministries they're involved in, or some of the things that, the initiatives that they're starting, some of the, you know, so maybe not necessarily names, but maybe that um, through, through since our last meeting, we've helped, uh, so many people, and 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 we've we're we're working with them, and and you know, those kind of stories about 
how how we're helping but maybe not just financially but also working through a plan working through um yeah whether it's finding them jobs or or finding them a place to live or even with uh, working with 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 refugees if they, if they if that's important to them yeah so yeah i love that thank you for sharing that um is there anything else on your heart or that you prepared or uh um that you'd love to share with us before we uh, we wrap for the day. Yeah, one one thing I I, I also mentioned earlier how Diaclo Ministries has has changed, but I have also changed um, over the years through Diaclo Ministries. My involvement with Diaclo Ministries, um, I see with my involvement with with this extreme weather shelter and so on. I see the poor, the homeless, the addicts, those on the fringes in a very different way. Mm-hmm. Um, regardless of where they are in their life journey. Diaclo Ministries helped me to get involved in other ministries. Um, I'm also on a, um, and that has been an eye-opener for me as well, um, getting involved with through Diaclo Ministries with um, disaster flood relief in Abbotsford and how we started a coalition through some CRCs um, from Langley to Abbotsford, and I don't know if Chilliwack was involved or not, but anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, and working with each other and working with um, not so much Christian organizations, but but like Abbotsford Foundation and the Chamber mm-hmm. of Commerce and some of the other organizations who have been able to raise millions of dollars, and now we work with them, and now we're a committee that is giving money to help people to rebuild their lives, to rebuild their homes, to get them back onto where they were before the flood. Mm. So that's a, kind of a, a big deal. Like, I think I've been involved since, well, pretty almost almost a year, but not quite. We started the, orga- the coalition after, um, about half a year after the flood, only because we were concerned about when the flood happened, um, places like, and not, not saying that's a bad thing, but places like Salvation Army, Samaritan's Purse, a few other organizations got involved, and they did good work. But then after time, then things fizzle out and they disappear. So that's where we took up, the, filled in the gap, so to speak. Mm. And that's where we are now. So we're still filling in the gap, which yeah. is which is kind of kind of a, a neat thing to do. And we're hearing stories too about some of the things that went on during the flood, about the... Yeah, their journey that they went through, um, well, during the high waters of how they had to escape some of them and walking through water and sitting on roofs and being rescued and yeah. all these things. So, yeah, interesting stories, but but how there's still there's still a, there's still a need there, mm-hmm. and we're kind of filling in that gap. Mm, good for you. I'm just going to read one little thing, uh, and I says I hope and pray that my time with Diaclaris Canada has been a blessing for many deacons that I have met over the years, as they have been a blessing to me, which is true. They, I mean, I've always said when I leave a meeting, I feel blessed too, because I'm hearing stories as well of stuff that goes on that I didn't know of, like whether it's in Abbotsford, Chilliwack, Langley, wherever it was. And just getting to know deacons and what makes them excited in their role as deacons and how Diaclaris Ministries and myself can walk alongside them to be the best they can be, both in the church as well in the communities around them, and I think that's where um, that's where the where it hits the road. We're working with with 
um, the community, you know, how that, how that all um, fits together with mm. the church and where the church is at and where the mm. community is at. And um, I know I was in Chilliwack a while back. We talked about community opportunity scan. Yes. Now there's a f- flourishing, how does it go now? Community flourishing team coalition. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, very okay. similar to what mm. to what Community Opportunity Scan oh, was, cool. and working same thing, working within the community and, and walking around and listening and, and hearing what's going on in the community, finding out what's what's important to the community. Um, yeah, yeah, we loved that uh, that <coughs> idea that mm. we would go to our neighbors. Yep. it's a simple, such a simple idea. Go to them and ask your neighbors yeah. what they need, yeah. rather than try to try to provide on your own. It's a it's a great idea. Um, yeah, there's so many riches here and I love your personal reflections as well. I'm so grateful and, and touched to hear, you know, the, the way God's spirit has been at work in you and in Diaconal Ministries Canada of over the last 30, it was 30 years, was it? Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is just fantastic. Um, and beautiful to hear, you know, the, the testimonies from all those years. So. Yeah, thank you very much, Gary, for yeah. being on this show, uh, on the podcast. Um, yeah, and, and uh, yeah, just my thanks <laughs> to you and, and all the blessings in your in your ministry as yeah, well. Thank you, and I want to say thank you to you as well for just the questions asked and just the time that I had time to reflect on what, um, yeah, Diaconal Ministries means to myself personally, but also how Diaconal Ministries can help deacons across Canada, coast to coast. Totally. Right on. Well, thanks again. Yeah, thank you. On the show today, you heard Gary Vineman, a founding member of Diaconal Ministries Canada, here representing the justice and mercy calling of one life. Gary, it was great to have you on the show. I'm going to be thinking about the things we talked about for the weeks to come. For all your other One Life needs, including events, links, and information, you can find them at crconelife.ca. And if you have any feedback at all, or want to get in touch, or if you know someone who would be a great guest for a future One Life podcast episode, please email me at podcast at crconelife.ca. Thanks for listening. To lay down all our burdens, we can lay them on the ground.